So, praise God. Well, let's get into the final part of our Indispensable series. And uh, it's a joy just to be able to bring this series to a, to a close. And I want to talk to you today about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I always felt from the get-go that we would uh, finish here rather than begin here. Um, I felt that God wanted us to kind of build up to this point because I really felt a, a burden to uh, teach about the difference that the Holy Spirit makes. You know, um, you can tell someone what, but when someone understands why, that's a game changer. Because when we understand why for something from a young age, you know, that as a children, that's that, that's that question of why, you know, that, that, that crave to kind of understand, and you know, Nowadays, just because I say so doesn't quite cut it. So I can't stand in the pulpit and just say, well, this is what you need to do. And you say, why? And I say, well, because I say so. Um, but if we understand why, then it motivates, it encourages, uh, inspires us, and we just understand. So I always felt that God wanted us to bring understanding to the person of the Holy Spirit, teach about him, and then finish with talking about being filled with him. And I just want to say that I honestly believe that Jesus wants every believer to have a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit and to be filled with him, uh, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I want us to understand that when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about something which is distinct from salvation. Okay, because Romans 8 verse 9 says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit living within them. But not every Christian has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we see an example of that in Acts chapter 8, verse 14 uh, through to 17. It says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, Nicky Gumbel does an excellent session on being filled with the Holy Spirit on the Alpha Course. And he talks on that about, he likens it to, um, to the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit, to his gas boiler at home. And that he has one of those old style gas boilers that has the, the, the pilot light in it. And how he says, the pilot light is always on. But when the heat comes on and the valve releases the gas, it ignites and the boiler goes... And his point is that for every Christian, the pilot light is on. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he makes things go. And what he means by that is you begin to visibly see and feel uh, the change and the difference that being filled with the Holy Spirit makes. When, they, when he fills us, Romans 5 verse 5 tells us that the love of God is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so when I am filled like this and the love of God fills me like this, I, I have an experience. I encounter him in a way that is both visible and it is felt and it is known. I know it is happening. It's not a silent or unseen thing, but a visible and felt experience. And so they knew they had been filled. When we read through the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't have to say to them, oh, I think you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. They said, I know I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. 
because of what I feel and what I experience and the difference that he's making, the change that is brought about. And so that's why in Acts 1 verse 5, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples just before Pentecost comes and he's talking to them about the Holy Spirit being poured out, he says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And the whole thought or image there is like when we see water baptism, like John immersed you in water, you will be immersed in the Spirit. When we witness a water baptism, we see what's happening, and the person knows they've got wet. There's a visible and felt thing that happens there. And he says, just like you're immersed in water, you will be, uh, sorry, immersed, immersed in water, you will be immersed in the Spirit. And John Piper says, if the Spirit overwhelms you like a baptism, you can't imagine him merely sneaking in quietly while you're asleep and taking up inconspicuous residence. So there wasn't this silent influence, but a powerful and felt experience because whatever the Holy Spirit touches or whoever the Holy Spirit touches, he changes. Whatever he touches, he changes. And that's why in Acts 2, verse 42, when they've been filled with him, their hunger, their desire, their passion, their love, their worship, their joy just seems to go through the roof. Seems to go to another level as a result of the Holy Spirit coming like this. And so his influence upon us is a positive one. That's why Ephesians 5 verse 18, a well-known scripture, says, do not get drunk with wine, okay? Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So don't do that. Don't get plastered, but be filled with the Spirit. You think, well, how are these two things, kind of how are we likening them? And, And I want you to really hear my heart here. In a positive, holy, and good way, being filled with the Holy Spirit is intoxicating, Actually, he is a positive influence upon our life. So it's not like get on the wine and we get leery and bonkers or do daft things or get excessively emotional, you know, and and, and that kind of stuff. Or, you know, you know, all the sort of things we might attribute to with the negative side of that kind of thing. He's saying, actually, there's a positive influence and intoxicating. When you're filled with him, it's like your love and your joy and your freedom. Just when we're, if you like, under his influence. And that influence and effect can look differently. I've, I've seen some people just experience laughter. I've seen some people experiencing tears, joy, freedom. Because where the Bible, because the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It can be new levels of boldness and confidence and power. And that's what we see in, in the book of Acts. Timid people suddenly become bold and, and confident. And then, of course, there's this whole thing to do with speaking in tongues. I'm going to come back to that in a minute because I think it's important we talk about it. And I want to try and help bring balance and understanding to that. But what I'm getting at is that wherever we look, there's an identifiable experience with effects that you can point to. And so when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit likens him to the wind, and in Acts chapter 2, there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind, that came through as they were filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. How many people know if you stand in a strong wind, you feel it? You know, if we were blowing a gale today, I wouldn't have to walk you outside on the street, stand you there and say, did you know it's windy today? You know, the ladies are holding on to their hair. I don't have that problem, obviously, but you feel the... Well, one, I'm not a lady until I don't have hair, but anyway... (laughs) 
you, you, you kind of know, yeah, I, I feel this. And that's why I'm saying to you, you don't have to say to someone when they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I think that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. And say, I, I know that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I feel, I experience, I know. And my whole heart, my, my whole passion in this series is that actually we would just begin to appreciate that the Holy Spirit, he makes everything more dynamic. And so my relationship with Jesus, my love and appreciation for him and who he is, being able to express that, the Bible and reading the Bible, uh, you know, my, my prayer life, my, my witness when I want to share Jesus with people, my praise and worship, my ministry, my service, my fruitfulness. He is an ultimate game changer. He elevates and enhances everything to just to a, a, another level. And that's why Spurgeon used to say that the Holy Spirit is like the fire in the engine of a steam train. And he was saying that, you know, the idea was that really as Christians, you know, in our life, sometimes we try and tweak things and we make adjustments and improve things and get things going a bit better. But Spurgeon used to say this, he said, you changing drivers, changing wheels and changing parts make no difference unless there's fire in the engine. And he said this, he said, the train may have some faults. Am I in a room with people this morning and watching at home? Am I in the room with some believers this morning who say, I've got some faults? I mean, come on. Claire could list you mine for a long time. And so he said, the train may have some faults. It might need a bit of paint here and there, but it doesn't need to be perfect before it can go. It just needs fire in the engine. And so the Holy Spirit is really the one who gets things moving. He empowers our life and he empowers our relationship with with God and if we are using this word indispensable it's really important that we really grasp that for Jesus the Holy Spirit was indispensable and if he was indispensable for Jesus in his human life here on earth and in his ministry and in what he did then how much more so for me and you because Luke 3 tells us that when he was baptized in water And he came up out of the wall and the heavens were open and the dove, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, descended. When he was then filled like that with the Holy Spirit, come four crucial words in Luke 3, verse 21 to 23. Jesus began his ministry. In other words, the Holy Spirit was the key to getting things moving. Before that point, there hadn't been a miracle. We forget that perhaps sometimes. Jesus hadn't been working miracles and it was like, do you know what? The Holy Spirit would be a nice optional extra just kind of tag him on as well. There hadn't been a miracle, a sign, a wonder until he was filled like that, until the Holy Spirit came upon him and he received him like that. And then he was launched into the ministry that we love reading about through the Gospels. And so the Holy Spirit was indispensable. And, you know, he is the one who empowers our life and empowers us. And so if he's indispensable for Jesus, surely much more so for us. And I just want to just pause there for a moment. And that's why I just said earlier on that I, I, I briefly mentioned about one of the signs of the coming of the Spirit. As we read through the Bible, one of the signs was that it talks about they spoke in what was, quote, other tongues. We see that in Acts chapter 2. We see that in Acts chapter 10. There's other examples as well. And I'm just conscious that you know, God is, is adding to our family and the, the, you know, the people who have joined in, in recent times, years, and, and, and even just 
still new people coming, which I'm so thankful for. And, you know, I just want to talk briefly about tongues because I'm acutely aware that some people may hear that, think, what is that all about? Some people may have had negative experiences of not that, but stuff that they've seen what they thought, gosh, that seems excessively emotional or over the top. And, and so they're kind of a bit like, I don't know, I'm not sure I understand. There are other people who may have wrestled with it. I just want to try and bring something of a kind of, by the grace of God, something balanced before us just to help us understand what this is. You may have heard that. You may have heard people speaking like that and think, what is that all about? I don't understand. Well, by the grace of God, let's just try and get into that for a little bit here. That When it says about they spoke in other tongues, several versions use this. They refer to the Holy Spirit as the gift of, quote, an unknown language. An unknown language. And it's important that we understand that, that tongues is the gift of language. Okay? And they were one, and I say one in capitals, bold and underlined, one of the signs of the coming of the Spirit. Now, let me tell you what I don't believe, because there's been a lot of unhelpful stuff that can go around with this. So let's just clear up a few things I don't believe, and I hope that it might put some people at rest. I don't believe that speaking in tongues is how we identify a Christian. Okay? Because I don't believe that all, or see, that all Christians speak in tongues. I'll come back to that in a moment. I don't believe in different classes of Christian. Right? Let's kill that one right here. That is incredibly damaging, difficult, and unhelpful. That somehow, that question about do you speak in tongues, somehow would give the impression that if I ask you that and you say no, and I do, that you're somehow less than I am. And that somehow it's like we have different classes. And so it's like, well, you're first class and you're economy if you don't. You know, you're level one and you're level two. I just, I just don't believe that. Nor do I believe it's the only evidence of a spirit-filled life. I believe there are many qualities and hallmarks of a spirit-filled life, many of which I see in people who I know who do not speak in tongues. Now, Billy Graham was a man who led millions to Christ. Didn't speak in tongues, but you can't tell me that he wasn't saved and he wasn't spirit-filled. Same with Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. What a Bible teacher. So let's just kill all that because I hate people somehow feeling like, well, now I'm being looked at. No, you're not. Let's kill that. William J. Seymour, who was a man who led the Azusa Street Revival, he, he... saw phenomenal signs, wonders, people coming to Christ, and he fervently spoke in tongues, said he was baptized in the Spirit, but he said this, he said, tongues, speaking in tongues, are not the real evidence of the baptism of the Spirit in everyday life. If you are angry or speak evil or backbiting, I care not how many tongues you have, you have not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pentecostal being filled with the Holy Spirit makes us love Jesus more and love our brothers more. And it brings us all into one common family. And in response to that, in commentary to that, Paul Benjamin said this, For Seymour, as for the Apostle Paul, and as for us, the primary evidence of the Holy Spirit was and is divine love. For the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But what do I believe? Well, I do believe that everyone who has received the Holy Spirit has the capacity to speak in tongues. I do believe that sometimes words aren't enough to express how we feel. I do believe at times that we run out of words in our normal everyday language, which has its limitations. And I do believe that God has a good gift for us to help me express my love for him and even further enhance our relationship. 
You know, language is ultimately a means of communication. That's exactly what tongues are. It's a means of communication and enabling us to just enter into something. I said it in the first service, it wasn't in my notes, but a little diversion. I said in the first service, have you ever been in a foreign country or with people who's, um, you know, majority of people who speak a different language to you and you love being with them, but you just wish you could understand what they were saying? And they're laughing or saying stuff, and you think, I wish I could enter in for one or two reasons, either so I could laugh along with them or know if they're laughing at me. I say, and I remember my dad's best mate owned a fantastic Chinese restaurant. Okay, it was when it first opened, it was Silk Road, okay, when it first opened. My dad's mate, best mate, was one of the owners in Silk Road. And Sunday night was like a dream, because I spent weekends with my dad, and my dad said, should we go see Ron? And you see, one of the first times we went to see Ron, Ron brought out a big plate of appetizers. So every Sunday night when dad said, you want to go see Ron? I'm like, do I want to go and see Ron? Because I'm a sucker for sesame prawns on toast. Take me, dad. You know, and we used to go up there and he used to bring it through in this big plate of all the bits, the wontons. Oh, satay, stay concentrated with me. You know, <laughs> dangerous speaking about this nearer we get to lunch. But I used to go, love going up there. But every Sunday it was like, let's go again and get appetizers from Ron. And uh, when we went up there, Ron was Chinese and all the guys in there were Chinese. And after a little while of several plates of appetizers over the course of several Sundays, and you see the guys talking and sort of looking across and laughing, you think, I'd love to know what they're saying. Probably like cheeky so-and-so's coming up here every Sunday night for a freebie. But I couldn't like enter in. And this gift of tongues is like something from God that God says, I want you to be able to enter into an even deeper level of expressing and communicating with me. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 says, For one who speaks in tongues uh, speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. It's helping me communicate and commune with him. And so it's a gift that helps me move beyond every limitation I mentioned earlier on, when we don't know to express how we feel, when we run out of words. Anyone here ever run out of words when they're trying to pray? Anyone here ever run out of words when they're trying to tell Jesus how much they love him? And there's like the limitations of, of language. It's like, how do I even put this into words? And I... It's helping us move beyond every one of those things to deeply express and commune and communicate, to get beyond the limits of concepts and words, to help me, the Bible teaches, in prayer. I have scripture for this if you want it. In my praise, in my worship, he's empowering every area of my life like that. And, and, and 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. And so actually it's literally a gift whereby and anyone ever wake up and you, you love Jesus, but anyone ever feel weak inside? Please just tell me it's not just me this morning. But you just feel that weak inside. If you can remember anything, here's a little ditty for you. When you're weak, speak. right? Because as you begin to speak in tongues, what it means is it builds you up, it strengthens you, it energizes you, it encourages you. And so sometimes my, you know, my experience is from feeling that weakness to beginning to be filled with the Spirit and, and beginning to speak like this. And all of a sudden, it's like a divine life and energy and strength comes in. And it's real good. Real good. Now, I just want to say that from my heart, that all my heart was with this, all my intention ever was as we talk about this, was to literally present before you what was like a menu. I love a good menu. And for you guys to be able to look at the menu in this series, and today now as it comes to a thing, and just look at it and say, my word, look at all that God has for me. 
And to see that what God is saying, I just want you to enter into the fullest possible relationship with me. That's God's heart and desire. He just wants to pull you in to the very fullest relationship that he possibly can. That's his heart and his desire for you. And that you would look at this and you see all that's in the menu, including this today, talking about being filled with the Spirit, talking about speaking in tongues and everything like that. You would see what's on the menu and something inside of you would say, if God's got all that for me and God wants all that for me and God wants to draw me into the possible relationship, that in your heart you'd just be saying, God, I want that. I want that. And so I say it for all of us because I believe it's for all of us because I don't believe that God has a, a kind of one menu for one Christian and another menu for another and there's some stuff missing off yours that you can't have because it's not on the menu and everything's on mine. No way. It, this is for all of us. The Holy Spirit is for every one of us. He wants every one of us to be filled with the very one who elevates and enhances our relationship with God. Why would he seemingly give some ability to some in the area of things like, well, you know, I, they can and I can't. You know, that's not his heart. Whatever your experience is, please just know that's not his heart. Please don't feel I'm speaking down to anyone. I've agonized over that. I've not wanted that for anyone. I just want to lay a menu that just says the heart of God is so big and he wants to draw you in. And he wants you to be totally convinced this morning that being filled with the Spirit is for all of us. The prophet in Joel and the word that was fulfilled in Acts was this. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit. Is that screen there for me, Andy? I was just about to say, join in with me. Just read that, underline three words with me. I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. On your sons, your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants in those days. I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. All means all. All flesh. That means the invitation and the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit is inclusive, not exclusive. If you love Jesus, this is for you. Not for some select few. Not for just those Men or women in ministry. No believer is sidelined. No believer is disqualified. Acts says it doesn't matter about your sex, your position, your age, your education, your class, your social standing, your race, your color of your skin. It does not matter one jot. The Holy Spirit is for every one of us. And God says not just for then, but he says in verse 39, for the promises for you, for your children, for who? For all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Can I ask you this morning, friends, do you want to see the touch of Jesus upon your children and upon all the future generations to come? Do you want to see the influence of Christ breaking out among our next generations? Amongst these kids right now who are filling these side rooms? Then, friends, you have to pray for the Holy Spirit to touch them. We have to pray for the Holy Spirit to touch them. I said earlier on, this is not a sideshow. What is going on in there? We need to pray for our leaders who are pouring into our children. And we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to touch them. Because if the Holy Spirit is moving in that generation, the touch of Christ, the influence of Christ will be upon them. And they'll be released to go even further than we've ever gone. Let's get praying for our kids to be filled and touched by the Holy Spirit. 
And so there's no level, there's no kind of credit you have to bank, no benchmark you have to reach to somehow deserve this. It's not about, well, I don't feel I'm holy enough or I'm, I can't recite this book cover to cover. Because Acts 2 verse 38 says the Holy Spirit is a, quote, gift. You don't work for a gift. You don't earn a gift. You just have to receive it. The word that's used there in the Greek is actually the combination of two words. When we read it, it says charismata. But charismata is the combination of two words in the Greek. Charis, which means grace, and mata, which means gift. It means the Holy Spirit is a grace gift. Given by grace. Not earned. Not hard work. Given by the grace of God. And so, yes, God wants to draw us into the fullest possible relationship with him that he can. But you know, he requires our response. I'm, I'm nearly done. He requires our response. Because in Acts 2, when Peter, when the Holy Spirit come and then Peter preached the gospel, the crowd of believers there, it says they were cut to the heart. You can read it in your own time. They were cut to the heart and they said, brothers, what shall we or what must we do? In other words, what is the next response to what I've seen and felt and witnessed and the gospel that I'm hearing? They were moved. Friends, if the Holy Spirit... Some people will go to church for years feeling moved, but never make another response. And there's a, there's a response. And what they ask is, what, what must we do? If you come into the house of God and you're feeling the presence of God and you're aware that there's something here and there's someone here and it's moving you, the next question must be, what do I do? What do I, how do I respond to this? And so they say, how do we respond? And, and Peter just says, well, repent, verse 38, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says there are three things, really, essential to coming into the fullest possible relationship with God. One is repentance and faith. That's salvation. Have you put your trust in Jesus? Two is baptism in water. Have you been baptized in water? Three is receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? I just want to simply, not heavy-handedly, I just want to simply put this before you. What's your next step? If God has been moving for you, moving you, is it now time for one? Is it about putting your faith in Jesus and your trust in him? Is it time for two? Is it time now to get baptized in water? Because you love him and you're committed to him and that's what he asked you to do and you're ready to follow him through the waters of baptism? Is it three that you would say, I need to really receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Because I just want to say, if you've not been filled, just to focus on number three for a moment, if you've not been filled, I believe you can be. And this is really where I want to kind of finish up and we're going to worship. So much with God let me rephrase that. Desire is at the heart of so much with God. That includes being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because people's logical question is, well, how? Well, John 7, verse 37 to 39, Jesus stood and said these words. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. 
Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is before he'd gone back to the Father. Before he died on the cross and ascended back to the heaven. Friends, the only benchmark or qualification is thirst. Thirst. You've just got to be thirsty. And by that I mean this. It's just a simple, uncomplicated longing for the Holy Spirit. And to be filled with him. And that's what we see in Acts. Jesus says to the disciples, go and wait in a room for him to come. And they go and wait in the room and they are praying and they are worshipping and they are waiting. Tarrying is the old word. They are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. What would make them want to do that? A simple longing for the Holy Spirit. They were thirsty. They'd come to understand the difference the Holy Spirit was going to make. That's why I'm not interested in some pressured appeal. Just not interested in that. Taking people down some road where it feels pressured and heavy-handed. I'm just interested in saying, here's the menu. Here's what's on it. If you're hungry, you can have it. If you're thirsty, you can receive. Secondly, you've just got to be open and receptive like they were in Acts 8 and come in faith. Take the longing and the openness and reach out in faith. You know, everything we receive from God is by faith. Galatians 3 verse 2 and 14 tell us we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And God wants you to believe that what we're talking about this morning is for you because doubt in all areas of our Christian life can become such a real barrier. So God doesn't want you to be uncertain. God doesn't want you to be sitting there thinking, I'm not sure if I ask, I'm not sure. God doesn't want you to sit there thinking, well, maybe for them, but not for me. God doesn't want you to sit there thinking, I'm not worthy. God doesn't want you to sit there thinking, I'm not sure I've been a Christian long enough. The last scripture that I'll read to you, Luke 11, verse 9 to 13 says, I tell you, Jesus speaking, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who knocks, uh, who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, now this is a bit of an interesting thing I'll explain in a minute, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion, scorpion, if you then who are evil know how much more to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You sort of think, what does that mean? Like, ask for a fish, get a serpent. Ask for an egg, get a scorpion. It seems a bit random. The, the point is simply this. If you think about every alternative that you could get given there, there's nothing harmful or to be afraid of with the Holy Spirit. That's what he seems to say. He's saying he's good. And being filled with him is good. And so I understand some people get afraid because, frankly, at times there has been some excessive stuff and some emotional stuff and overly emotional stuff. And people have done some weird stuff and attributed it to the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to dodge that and I'm not going to lie. But what I'm saying to you is when there is a positive influence and it is genuinely God and it is genuinely the Holy Spirit, it's good. It's good. And so let that fear, and even if it's previous hurt or pain or experience, let's push that to one side because... When it's him, it's good. And so as we pray, faith is key. Believe God. Expect him to fill you with languages you've never learned. Speak out in faith. Don't be afraid. Andy, perhaps in the band, perhaps you can come back. Lastly, I just want to say this. Keep being filled. You know, there's one baptism, but many fillings. The same disciples who receive in Acts 2 are filled again in a prayer meeting in Acts 4. We see that several times in being filled again and again. 
Ephesians 5, I read earlier, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That's written in the present and continuous tense. It means this, go on being filled over and over again. And the inference there is, yes, you were baptized in the past, but are you still making sure you're filled now? I want to ask you, friends, are you still filled now? If you've been filled, are you still full now? As we finish, I just want to say, and Andy begins to play, I believe, as we wrap this series up, I believe there is a powerful, life-changing, transforming encounter to be had with the person of the Holy Spirit. My desire, as I've tried to labor, is simply in this series that we'd want to be people filled with all that God has for us. So I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come. I want to just invite him to fill anyone who wants to be filled. I want to pray a simple prayer that's been prayed down the centuries and throughout history. That's simply three words. Come Holy Spirit. There's nothing else. I'm not going to teach you how to say anything or do anything. I'm not going to pressure or whatever. I'm just saying there's the menu. Can we just stand to our feet as we begin to worship? I just want to ask you, wherever you're at this morning, whether you're, you know, you're like, I've never been filled, I want to be filled for the first time, or you've been filled, not been filled for a long time, you know, wherever you're at this morning, if you want to respond in some way to what I've shared this morning, if your heart has been stirred, if you understand what we're talking about, and you want to make a response this morning, I just want to ask you, Nikki Gumbel encourages people to do this on the Alpha Course, just where they are, to open their hands. And he says, as a sign of just being open and receptive, you know, because when we do this, it's kind of the opposite, isn't it, you know, with our body language. And he says, you know, just to open our hands. And so I'll just put that before you and invite you to do that if you'd like to do so. Just to open your hands as a sign of just saying, I'm open, I'm receptive. I just want all you've got for me. And I'm just going to pray in a moment. And Andy's just going to play just for a minute. And I want to encourage you, wherever you're at this morning, would you just have your own personal conversation right now with Jesus and just begin talking to him where you're at what you're seeking, what you're longing for. If you need to process right now some frustration, some difficulties, whatever it might be, if you've never been filled, you need to be filled again, wherever you're at, just talk to him. Just quietly in your heart, muse, and just talk to Jesus and just lay it all before him. And then I'm going to pray.